but uh, yeah, I think that you have that moment where you sort of figure out what exactly it is that you need to be doing. And for me, that was when my mother passed, and and when she was passing, actually, you realize the the value of time, and especially as it's fleet, fleeting, you know, you realize the value of time, and you start asking yourself, well, what am I doing with my time? Um, you know. What am I doing with my time with my mother? What am I doing with my time with myself? And yeah, I had a lot of time to think, uh, being being her primary caregiver, and that was what I, you know, realized I should be doing. I smell the blood of a creative little one out there with the ears perked up, ready to listen, ready ready to learn. You picked a good episode for it, that's for sure, because I have another amazing conversation, chat, really in-depth, really personal with Christian Adrian Brown. He's an incredible author, a new author, but he's doing insanely successful. He is a bestseller already, and his first book was called Feast of Fates. He's been writing for a while now, but he literally made a transition, quit his job to find his true calling in life when his mother was diagnosed with terminal illness, and he went through that with her down to her last breath. And he talks about this from a personal standpoint, from a creative standpoint, uh, from a means of why we should be paying attention to what we are doing in life, why we should be following the life that we truly do love, the reasons behind why he did it, what he's doing now, and what he's planning on doing in the future. It's a powerful episode, but it's awesome. It's funny. Christian has a great personality, and this is just one book in a mini of the series coming out. He's going to tell you it's easy. You can quit your job. Um, he's going to tell you that you can do these things that you love. You can become a writer if you want to. You can become a musician if you want to. But he didn't get there just by flipping a switch one day. I mean, it takes it takes effort. It takes a mindset. And it takes triumph. I mean, you, you've got to put yourself in the position to accept it. But it is not easy. As I've been doing this for two years, this show has been going on for over a year. And every single day, I battle massive amounts of struggles. Massive amounts, up and down, all around. Never anything like losing a parent. I cannot imagine it. But with this conversation, I hope that it inspires you to go out there and do something amazing. Follow your passion. Follow those things that you love because they won't always be around. Pay attention to your loved ones. Pay attention to your relationships because they won't always be around. Don't take anything for granted. Be thankful. Be grateful for everything that is among around you, or part of you, because it's all contributing in some way. We all are connected by an energy. We all are working towards a common good. And if you believe it, you can become the person that you love. You can become the person that you have always dreamed of being. Here we go. For all the show notes, it is artsynow.com forward slash 104 and... Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad selves, yeah. Wiggity, 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 what's up, world? What's up, Africa? What's up, Asia? What's up, Russia? 
What's up, Europe? Canada? What about you frozen little Eskimos up there in the Arctics? If your creative little ears hang low, you better wobble those things straight to the front and center. Because my guest today is exploring a new life of creative writing that has launched through a series of major life transitions, deep emotional experiences, and a will to find his true calling in life. He's the best-selling author of Feast of Fates. And it's only the first in a series that is sure to take the world by storm. All the way from Toronto, a skittamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skittamarinkity-doo-hoo. <laughs> Christian A. Brown, yoo-hoo. Are the entrepreneur now. What's up, dude? Hi. That was uh, was very uh, Barnum and Bailey intro. (laughs) Thank you. Barnum and Bailey. That's a great, yeah. Awesome. That's a superior compliment, man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you on. You've done all these amazing things. Your story is actually super powerful. You've been through a lot. Uh, You had a traditional lifestyle, then then massive amounts of turmoil and pain. When, When your mother was diagnosed with cancer, she got sick. You had quit your job to be with her to take care of her, uh, an experience that probably led you to your deepest emotions and, and your creative powers and like an epiphany, as we talked about in the pre-chat, and, and one that undoubtedly taught you the most about life, I'm sure, and allowed you to channel all that energy into this this new form of, of life and creativity through writing. You you were the best-selling author of, of Feast of Fates and the first of many deep, brilliant, magical uh, quote unquote fantasy novels, but but that's just putting a title on it, right? And and of this, this is the first of of the particular series, which is is it called Four Feasts Till Darkness? Four Feasts Till Darkness, yeah. There's yeah. gonna be four books in this arc. Yeah, and you're and you're writing, you know, I mean, it explores kings, queens, triumphs, darkness, the intricacies <laughs> of emotion, life, death, uh, all these experiences that you've had um, since this whole transition. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Like you're you. you you're amazing. Like I love, I love what you're doing. I think that people are really going to connect to this, and I'm and I'm really honored to have a chat with you. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, they, the the reception's been great. They have. I've had fantastic, you know, uh, commercial and critical reception to it. So I could not be happier. Um, but yeah, as you said, like you know, you you you'd make that decision at one point to sort of it's very it's a very scary decision because you're sort of jumping off a cliff, you know, with your eyes closed and hoping for the best. Um, to just change everything that you've been doing. Uh, so, so before this, I was a, a personal trainer and fitness manager for a number of years. So it's, it's quite a shift in vocations, as you can see, from being essentially a gym bunny <laughs> to a wordsmith. Um, as a bit of a gym, say you know, gym bunny. Well, that's that's you know that's uh, yeah. Very yeah, associated with it. Yeah. So you get all these looks, and we're like, oh, you want to be a writer? I'm like, well, I've always been a writer, but I, I had. Uh, a profession that I needed to pay the bills for, you know, decades. Yeah. And uh, this is what I've chosen to do now. But yeah, it was a very scary process. And and as you say, like, you know, uh, compounded with, with what my mother was going through at the time, um, it was it was all, it was even more terrifying, you know, because you have these, my mother's passing and I'm making this huge decision in my life. Yeah, so when something tragic like that happens, I mean, is there any way to describe how it changes your outlook on life? Well, I think there's there's a there's this way that that we look at death in North America, which is it's always very grim and very bleak and very sad, mm-hmm. and that's one way to look at it. But you know, I, I'm so blessed that you, my mother was such an amazing humanitarian and human being and and role model that, and she just loved us so like there, we don't have any any unresolved feelings towards our parents or unresolved, you know, issues, my sister or I. So we were so blessed in that sense um, that, uh, yeah, we just had this amazing woman and and being there with her, uh, even as she was passing, was still a wonderful experience for us, as wonderful as that can be. Like, I know that may sound strange, but it was a beautiful experience being able to be there with your parent at the end of their life. Um, And we were with her up until the very, very last moment. Uh, when she took her last breath, so you know that that in a sense is a gift because not everyone gets that. You know, not yeah, I think to that's say insanely powerful, man, and, and beautiful. Uh, I, th- I think that you're right. It, it it can be. I mean, obviously, there's other parts of the world. North America's outlook is extremely grim. Um, it's dark. People fear death more than fear anything mortality, in the world. and we fear aging, and we fear all these things. But they're inevitable, and they're going to happen. 
and you know, yeah, uh, you, you, they're shitty things. Pardon my language. Like no one wants to die or wants someone they love or something, even a pet to die. But it's going to happen. So it's a matter of sort of embracing that experience for what it is. It's not going to be great. It's going to be miserable sometimes, but you still make the most of it. And so yeah, we were very, you know, we had this wonderful life with my mother, and and we had this wonderful time even when she was ill. We found moments of happiness, and we always tried to, you know, do. Things as a family together, even though you know she was in induction therapy, so she was basically trapped in a hospital for six months at a time. Um, you know, in and out. She, I think she got out once. So yeah, she had basically spent twelve months in the hospital and had three months out. So out of that, you know, fifteen month span, um, you have to make time to to remember the happy things and just to make the most out of it. Otherwise, you're just going to be fucking miserable all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You know. So. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I, I've been. I've been not just, I don't want to say like reading a lot, but as I've grown up, I've noticed and I've seen the transitions that people can make, even with near death experiences, but even just seeing some of these studies that show the, the trend of people switching like complete gears in life to start to focus on what they really find their true calling, what the real meaning is of life is when they come in contact with somebody very close passing or maybe themselves getting in a near death experience. Um, they they start to reach out and, and it seems like they they finally understand the real reason why they're here right and and they're very unlikely to go back to the traditional way that they used to live um, slaving getting themselves in debt maybe a nine to five whatever it may be there's all sorts of different paths that you can take and I, I think that that experience I, I just that excites me more than anything because if you can see that that trend from a a perspective, even if you're not dealing with a near-death experience or somebody in your life, because it's eventually going to happen to everybody, right? But yes. if you can, if you can understand that before um, or even after, because I'm sure some people don't even understand after, uh, I think that you can really pinpoint what you're here on Earth to do, uh, where you're going in the future, even even in life's after death, right? Yes, and I mean, I think uh, yeah, it's like everyone has has something that they excel at and and would be passionate at and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be this is for the purposes of the show we're talking art but you know the world still needs builders and laborers and you know there are people that are are meant to you know have, whose passion is to work with the earth or work with metal or work with their hands and not necessarily in, like yes you could say as a craftsman but just in a in a you know standard way um but uh yeah i think that you have that moment where you sort of figure out what exactly it is that you need to be doing and for me that was when my mother passed and and when she was passing actually you realize the the value of time and especially as it's fleeting you know you realize the value of time and you start asking yourself what am I doing with my time Um, you know what am I doing with my time with my mother what am I doing with my time with myself and yeah I had a lot of time to think uh, being being her primary caregiver and that was what I you know realized I should be doing so so looking back now, and I know not everybody has that experience uh, or a situation similar to that like you have, but at some point, I do think we all meet the maker of our choice. I think we all venture into the next dimension. We all cross paths into a more spiritual existence, whatever it may be um, that you're focusing on. But what do you tell those people who, who are taking life for granted and don't understand that yet? Well, I mean, the sad thing is that you can't you know, it's the whole, you can lead a horse to water (laughs) (laughs) and you can. And and unfortunately people, because of how we are as a society, we're very, you know, uh, internally focused. Uh, We we exist in these little social spheres that we've created with our smart devices and our, our very insular lifestyles where we only kind of see and experience what we choose to that, you know, fits within our own comfort level and perceptions. So it's very difficult, I find, in this day and age to to change in one's perception. And the only thing you can do is, is, you know, which is what my mother did as a role model, is you just lead by example. I think if you have enough bold people, you know, making strides and and being passionate and engaging in the world, um, that creates a ripple effect. So, you know, just like love begets love and hate begets hate, like these things, you know, act as examples for the other. So there's nothing you can really necessarily do for that person. Um, it's something that they have to learn for themselves, hopefully through your actions or through the actions of someone else. Yeah, awesome, man. So through this transition, 
when you discovered that, I mean, you always wrote, but when you discovered that you wanted to take this to a whole nother level, make a career out of it, um, make a lifestyle or, or a dream out of it, whatever you want to call it, what, what were the things that you started to do in your life that allowed you to make this happen? I mean, were there, were there any habits that you had to form that you didn't used to have? Um, did you have to clear up more time to be well, able I'm to set lucky. aside for writing? Like, I mean, I'm lucky that I came from uh, a, a physical fitness background because one of the things that that teaches you, of course, is discipline and willpower yeah, um, yeah. and structuring, structuring your life, you know, just in, in, in regards to your body. But that applies anywhere. Like when you learn that discipline, you can apply it to anything. So I was very lucky that I already had a mindset that like, you know, because I mean, I work out at five o'clock in the morning five to six days a week. So I already have that built into me programming of, okay, this is something I have to do, which isn't necessarily going to be the most fun all, all the time because writing is not the most fun. Like writing is, you have to treat it like a career. So I, I write for like, you know, six to eight hours a day. I have a shift and I guarantee you that like, I'm only enjoying myself maybe 25% of the time when you really hit that passion. But you have to keep pushing. You have to keep, you know, it, it's, you have to sit there. If you sit there long enough, the magic will happen as long as you're just, you know, constantly typing words and moving forward. So I already had that discipline um, from, you know, personal training and, and just training my own body. So it was very easy to apply that to a, a disciplined lifestyle. Um, not everyone, I realize, has the same luxury. You know, like a, a lot of people have very busy lives or they have kids or they have other responsibilities. So it's harder for them. Um, but but again, it comes down to making the most out of the time you have. So I realized that I had this perfect arrangement of, of circumstances of, you know, the ability to dedicate time to this, the ability to actually do it in a structured manner. So I leapt, you know, I said, this is my chance. This is what I should be doing and I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah, and I, I'm a I'm a self-development productivity junkie myself uh the self-discipline thing is huge i didn't used i mean for the first 27 years of my life i had really normal self-discipline you know i was responsible my parents raised me <laughs> the right way hey, i could make good yeah. decisions right <laughs> but but not necessarily the discipline that you need to to be able to create the life that you love and ever since about a year ago i i i made the transition to training myself to get up really early exercising very early uh, you know 4 35 5 30 a.m every day uh, making sure that that principle is in place because if you do that then not only are you creating more time in the morning to get some of these things done that you would have normally done between like maybe seven and nine at night uh, yeah but but you are creating that habit and that discipline for yourself where when you when you put that in place you start to notice other places in life that you can apply it right just like it's the ripple effect definitely yeah like like it, it it carries over into every other aspect of your life once you sort of learn that yeah and it's so powerful man it's like crazy magical the stuff that you can get the the progress that you can make in the in the personal development that you can make by doing it like if you if there's somebody out there who who's thinking oh my gosh you know i love writing but there's just no way i can get this first you know 70 page book out there's just there's just no way i can ever have time to do it it's like do you, if you really sit down and and make yourself write no matter what you're writing and you yep. get that habit in to write you know 500 words a day or whatever it is you'd be surprised how easy it is to get a 70 page book out well, and I think that people forget that everyone starts at the bottom and everyone starts at that moment of self, self like that slope of, of self-doubt, you know, and, oh, what do I do? How do I move this, you know, this rock up this hill? And I was there too. Like, I mean, I was, I started writing uh, on my laptop, actually on my iPad at first, because I didn't even bring a computer with me, um, in the Princess Margaret uh, cancer ward. And uh, I would just like write little notes. And then I'm like, this is kind of annoying. So I, I brought my laptop one day. And, you know, I would only write like, I don't know, maybe 50 words, 100 words. Uh, but again, you start to build up that habit and, you know, you start to realize the time that you do have. Because, yes, we're all strapped for time. I understand that. But we still do have some time. And, you know, some of us choose to, you know, rather than pursue our dream, they might choose to watch a show. And that's fine. Like, I think that I think that that the, the mental relaxation is important, but just make sure that you're balancing it with something that you really want to be doing. So if you really want to be relaxing and watching, you know, Real Housewives, that's great. <laughs> that's what you need. But if there's something else you should be doing instead, then you should do some of that something else and then go watch your Real Housewives as a treat. You know, like like train yourself with that reward system. 
yeah, the reward system does work amazing. I actually just had an amazing conversation with Kent Sanders. I had him on the show recently. It was episode 91, and we went through like 25 ways to save more time uh, for creating, literally just from productivity to lifestyle practices uh, to time hacks. And you guys can go back and listen to that if you go to artsynow.com forward slash 91. But it's an awesome episode. There's actually, we put together like a, that weekend I got so inspired, I beasted out like a 28 page ebook on the topic. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not kidding. Like in, in, yeah, people, you could download that too if you just go to artsynow.com forward slash time. But all those topics are super fascinating to me, man. Like I love, I love hearing what other people do. Uh, I love that you're getting up early and, and getting those juices flowing because that, I mean, we just like, it's only, I don't know what time it is there, but it's 9 a.m. here, and we ran. Yeah, it's nine here too. Yeah, yeah, we ran seven miles earlier this morning. Which oh, nice! Felt amazing, and it feels really good outside right now too. So, um, but yeah, so let's talk about your book, man. Like, can you give me a rundown of of what it's about and sort of the process of, of writing it? Like, being I don't know if this was your first like official book, but being your first big book in. in what it's about and, and how it's in relation to you and your experience. So Feast of Fates is, if I have to sum it up, if give you the one, one sentence blurb. So I think that uh, we're very focused as a society on the black and the white. And in Feast of Fates, you will see many representations of gray. I didn't say shades of gray because I don't want to be associated <laughs> with that particular work. <laughs> um, you know, I, but uh, yeah, so it, it's a, it, it deals with a lot of, you know, moral ambiguity and questions on, you know, what is heroism and what is what is sacrifice? What makes a villain, you know, what is that fine line between a villain and, say, a, a ruler? I ask all these very big questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I could not have written this book, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, before my mother passed and before being through that experience with her. And so there's a lot of undercurrent currents of, you know, love and and familial care and and familial responsibility and all those sorts of things as well too so it, it's a human drama wrapped up in the trappings of a fantastical world just because the reason why i chose that element is just because anything can happen so you know magic is the same as as science in a sense that it just makes impossible things happen or things that we believe to be, you know, just out of reach, it makes them possible. So you can add that extra little bit of, of wonder to your story by putting it into, you know, a, a speculative environment. Um, as to the process of how I wrote this book, well, oh, geez. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I've always had a few ideas kicking around. I think I wrote, uh, by the time I was 20, I had written like a 300-page manuscript that was sitting on my computer, and I would crack it out every now and then and add some lines or maybe start redrafting it, or this is before I actually understood the process of drafting. So was this, was the manuscript based off, the, I mean, was it this book, maybe, like in its roughest form? Uh, yeah, totally. Well, sort of. I mean, it was always just this, this collection of ideas that I'd had floating around. I'm not happy with... And the reason why I knew I had to write this is because I was never happy with other people's um, worlds. Like, I mean, I was happy reading them, but I was not happy, you know, uh, using those elements of my own, in my own work. Like, I didn't want to create, like, another Tolkien. Like, we have enough books with orcs and elves and Middle-Earthian tones, and we have enough books with, you know, especially now after J.K. Rawlings, with, you know, little wizards running around. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't want to create something derivative. And, and it's not that I set out to create, I had to say, oh, I have to create something different. It's just that had been done. And that, to me, didn't feel like it was the right story. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very eclectic and interesting book. And you'll see some, some elements in that you haven't seen before. But so I had this, this manuscript kicking around. Um, when my mother became ill, and then I, as I mentioned, I finally brought the laptop. And I, I found this manuscript and I started plugging away at it. And I ended up writing about another 250 pages. And I had basically, a, not a book, but a draft, a manuscript at that point. Um, so I gave that a few passes. I allowed my mother to read it. And she had said to me uh, that when she finished reading it, like she's like, this is what you should be doing. And I mean, I took those words. I've, I've taken those words to heart ever since that moment. And I've never forgotten them. And that's one of the reasons, one of the most powerful, you know, impetus for why I'm doing what I'm doing now. 
Uh, so, That's but, amazing and, that she got to read it, man. Well, she did. But the funny thing is, what she read is absolutely nothing like <laughs> the book that, that, that you could pick up now. Because uh, after that, I got in touch with um, with Barbara Burson, who's this fantastic editor. She used to work at Penguin, and she's absolutely just. Um, I don't know if anyone like anyone out there who's an aspiring writer who fears criticism. You need a good critic. You need a good hard critic who will literally dissect your work and you know they can do it nicely but you have to be prepared for some serious work when you're writing a story because not a, no story comes out perfect ever um so yeah so so i got in touch with her and by the time we had finished sort of reworking my ideas in my world um we'd gone back through three generations of history because she always wanted me to go to, to the start of the story because i was referencing all this history that hadn't happened so we went right back to the start of the story whole new cast of characters, and I think it was about four drafts before I had my first draft of what would become Feast of Fates, if that makes sense. So we're talking like years and years. I think I wrote with, with Barbara, I wrote with her for about two years, just nonstop. Um, and it, I'm lucky that I'm so prolific in terms of like my output. I can crank out a book in probably about three months, or a manuscript, I should say. So I'm very lucky in that sense that... You know, and again, it comes down to the discipline where I'll force myself to do it, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, so so it, it's been a very long process. Like, yeah, this whole, this first book took about, uh, since I started writing, about five years almost just to get everything, five years and about seven or eight drafts in total um, just to get it to, to the state that you see on the shelves now. Uh, the how second how long is it? The book? Uh, 460 pages. Whew. Yeah. It's a beast. It's a beast. Uh, it's, fa- it's a pretty fast read, though. There's a ton of stuff happening. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. The second one is, is already finished. So, you, you know, once you sort of figure out that the, the, the speed of your output and your own capacity, then it, it's a little more streamlined. Well, it's much more streamlined the second time. Um, yeah, the second one's out uh, next month, actually. And the third one, I just wrapped up the uh, manuscript first draft uh, yesterday. So I'm on a bit of a professional high right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, man. What what's the what's sort of a general summary of the storyline of the first book? Um, I know know that could be very hard to to do, but is there any way to explain? I can um, I can read you. I can read you the back cover text. Oh yeah, let's do it. That'd be awesome. Uh, So this is I I wanted to start the story somewhere small because you know rather it's, it's a very grand story and it has all these different plot lines and you know intrigues. But I wanted to start with a very small point that people could latch on to. Um, so this is where we began. So Morgan lives a quiet life as the handmaiden to a fatherly old sorcerer named Thackeray. But when she crosses paths with Caneth, a not wholly mortal man, her world changes forever. Their meeting sparks long buried magical powers deep within Morgan. As she attempts to understand her newfound abilities, unbidden visions begin to plague her. Visions that show a devastating madness descending on one of the immortal kings who rules the land. With Morrigan growing more powerful each day, the leaders of the realm soon realize that this young woman could hold the key to their destruction. Suddenly, Morrigan finds herself beset by enemies, and she must master her mysterious gifts if she is to survive. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't read that. I read the foreword by the Clarion Reviews. Yeah, the critics loved it, which is great. Yeah. I got a quickest star, and 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 Clarion ate it up, and yeah, it was so critically, and even the the... Just bloggers and and general readers have been full of praise, so it's fantastic. I think to not only spend that much time making something, but to make something that you know, not that we need validation, but we kind of do. <laughs> you yeah. know, to be realistic, it's nice as an artist to be validated by someone enjoying your work, right? I think artists are so can be very very emotional. Um, a yes. lot of times they have a really hard time with critics, which I think is something that, that we, we can all work on, you know, taking constructive feedback. Totally. Yeah. Don't take it offensively. I mean, even I, when, even if like my girlfriend tells me something, I'm like, if my first immediate is like, Oh, I'm offended. But then you start thinking about it and it's like, you know what, maybe how, how can you, how can you take this and and make it better? Right. And yeah, I was going to ask you like, so, so many people write, not, not many of them, actually take what they writ, wrote and, and market it and, and sell their book. One, one of the main reasons of writing is to, is to share the message with an audience, I believe. And 
So I have a hard time understanding, which, and I know that there are several reasons why, but I have a hard time understanding why so many people don't put a put something in place to hustle to spread the word. I I, I know maybe it's fear, maybe it's money, maybe it's not being able to afford marketing, or, or generally just not knowing how to sell, but. How have you been able to find an audience? What what has been the most effective method for kind of spreading this the word of this book? I mean, sometimes I talk to people and it's like, well, they posted it on a forum and then it blew up, right? It can be viral. But a lot of people actually yeah. have to get out there and you have to put the pieces into place. And you've obviously talked to editors. You've talked to publishers. Uh, and and you've had a team help you. And, and, and you kind of knew what direction you were going, right? So totally. just for anybody else out there who's confused – what, what what was kind of your process? Well, I think like, I mean, after, you know, the words from my mother and, and just my own self-drive, I decided that, yeah, if I was going to write this, I'm, I'm going to be serious about it. If, I, if I'm going to give up everything that I had been doing and I needed to make this a career. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't sort of a, a half-assed step for me. It was a full leap into, you know, this unknown future. And uh, yeah, so I, I realized that it was going to be an investment and I realized that it was going to be, you know, a lot of you know, doubt and all that horrible stuff that people go through when they're starting up a business and I treated it very much like a business. So I had a business plan. I had, uh, you know, my partner thankfully uh, works in, in uh, facilities and management, so that was very helpful. And yeah, I, I attacked this like you would any other uh, uh, project. You know, on the business side. So there's the artistic side of me, but then there's also the side of me that understands that this is a business and, and you know, you, you have to generate a presence and awareness and marketing and um, you want to make a professional product. So before it was even shopped around to publishers, first thing I did was get it into shape and, I, and that was on my own expense. So the editor, you know, originally, initially I paid for my first um, seri- serious rounds of, of professional editing. And that was an expensive process, but well worth it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just say, decide what you want to do with your writing. So if you're just writing, like it's very easy for authors these days to just you know put something out in the world, and that's totally fine. Like if that's if that's all you want from it is just to get your word out there, then that's great. If you really have a message and if you really have you know a product that you want to share, then you have to very seriously consider. You know how how you're going to deliver that and how you're going to build a platform for that. And to do that, you you know, one man is not a village. Uh, you can't do it by yourself. So you need to get in touch with the people who are good at promoting and who are good at marketing and who are good at all the things that we as artists probably are not so good at. <laughs> um, which is you know that's how you got in touch with my agent Rachel and she's fantastic. Um, so yeah, you need to make those professional connections and and. You, you can't be shy. Like, I mean, if, if you, there's nothing wrong, I think, with saying you want to be successful. I don't think that's, you know, vainglorious. I think it's, it's something you should strive towards if that's what you want. And so, yeah, I said from day one, I'm like, I want this to be successful because this is very much, you know, a message about the time with my mother and, and all of the, you know, wonderful experiences that we've had as, as, a, as an eclectic family. And I want to, the world to see that and to share that. So I am, I'm, I'm determined to make it a success. <laughs> how, how do you manage your vision? Uh, I mean, uh, there's, there's so many different things that I do. You know, I've got the vision board. I've got a whole process that I go through and I review it every single day. And I know more, it almost seems like it's more realistic than actual like everyday life where I'm going in life. And you start to see these magical things happen um, as you continue to believe that with, with your vision and, and ex- you obviously seem very confident as to where you're going and what you're going to be doing. Um, are there any any things that you have in place that kind of help you do that? Uh, well, I mean, again, it's it's, it's having a support network. Um, I don't uh, have a vision board per se as much as like I, I, I reaffirm a lot of my goals because I'm such just an internal person and I'm always thinking and, and you know, the brain unfortunately does not shut off ever. I, I'm one of those weird people. I wake up like a robot, like it's like four o'clock in the morning and I sit up in bed and I'm ready to talk and have my tea and go for a jog if I have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so my brain doesn't shut off. So I'm constantly sort of reaffirming things and planning things in my head. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a nonstop process for me and, and yeah, Again, it just boils down to like we, we talked about like in terms of if you want to be 
successful. And if you want to to realize your dream, you have to constantly be taking steps towards it. So not a day goes by, even on the weekdays, where I'm not doing something towards my writing. I still like obviously find time to balance life and and love and family and all those things because that's very important to yeah. just creating a mental and and spiritual stability. Um, but I'm always doing something towards towards my my path or towards my dream every day. Yeah. Do do you do anything in particular to reset yourself? Um, your, your mind. Well, like, like for me, I'm a big meditator. But I wish I, you know what I'm so jealous of you. I, <laughs> unfortunately, I cannot shut my brain off enough. That's the only thing that has worked for me, and it, you know, I didn't try it until about a year ago, and it's changed my life completely. But so, who do you do you, like? Do you use the? I'm actually genuinely curious. Is there a method that you would recommend? Or so, well, I think it's a little different for everybody. But at first, you know, my mind was running 100. percent I had trouble sleeping. I was just always thinking, and that's just how I've always been. And just it just really didn't matter what I would do. That's that seemed to be the result, but. I actually used to look at people like that would meditate and think, wow, you know, that's retarded. Like, that's ridiculous. Why, why would somebody do that? And of course, I'm a completely different person now than I was then. But I met, so when I first started this show, I had on an amazing, amazing person named Kim Nickel. She's unbelievable. It's episode four. And if you go back and listen to that episode, she was a lawyer who literally had. I think she was walking to work one day. Um, somebody had get, gotten hit by a bus in San Francisco and died. And it, it ended up being a guy that she worked with, like right next to. And she didn't know until she got up to the office, you know, that it, that it was this person. And she kind of started really contemplating everything in her life. And she went through some a serious relationship problem where that, uh, like a, a serious relationship fell apart. And she quit her job as a lawyer and took on mindfulness full time and hmm. use that sort of power to teach other lawyers how to be more mindful to, to manage the stress in their jobs. And she has a series of, of these five-minute meditations. And she said, listen, just listen to these. And there's one for every day for five days. And it's just called five-minute meditations. And one of them is like mental. One of them is physical. One of them is that kind of focuses on the after exhale. And emotional and I can't remember but there's five different subjects there but she just talks you through their guided meditations they're only five minutes so you're not spending a lot of time See that that, that I might be able to give a shot to because it's mostly for me it's the time thing after so much time yeah I, my brain is like I need to be doing something <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have a, a perception that meditating is like sitting out you know for hours just losing touch which it can be you can yeah you know, I've done them before where I've taken it's taken yeah, me like off like for 40 minutes yeah, yeah and it's it's the most magical thing ever when you do it. It's like going into another, uh, I, I guess, Planes. dimension almost. <laughs> but like you can actually get to a point where you're in the future of what your vision is. Like it's crazy. But at first I wasn't like that. So I, need, I needed these. And I still do these five-minute meditations because I'm very, very busy. And I use them you know, pretty much daily. And, and I've gotten into some more extensive stuff when I have time. But uh, different styles. But yeah, like if you go back and – Kim Nichols? Kim Nicholas, N-I-C-O-L. If you go to artsynow.com forward slash four, or if you just go into iTunes, you can go all the way down to one of the first episodes. Now, I will, I will warn you, the first couple episodes were a little rough. It's come a long way. But she's amazing, and I've had several people on who are into mindfulness since then. Uh, but, but Kim was the person who transitioned me. Like She does a very good job of finding those people who don't think meditation is practical and then being able to work it into their life and and literally you you go through her little five-step process and then you just write down what you're feeling after each one and then she actually will let you send it to her and she'll look at it and then she'll talk with you i mean she's very very she's one of the most amazing people ever but uh, that's how i got into it man and and like i can't express enough like gina Chaw, she was another girl on my show she's amazing she's also a lawyer believe it or not in san francisco <laughs> Uh, she does these free meditations that are on SoundCloud and, and iTunes just called, uh, uh, I think it's called Mindful Minutes, maybe. And I'm sorry if I screwed that up, Gina. But I listen to those, too, and she goes anywhere from, you know, one to 20 minutes on these, and they're all free. Um, so I just I just I love it. I, I like, yeah. And that's yeah, the way to reset your mind. 
for me, it's it's probably exercise. So that is the one thing. Well, that's a know, form I, of meditation. Yeah, it definitely is a form of, of focus and, and concentration. But that is the one thing I need to ground myself. You know, and even if I'm feeling a little bit anxious or a little bit, you know, uh, stir crazy for whatever reason, just like displaced anxiety that we just get as a product of living in today's world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, even if I'm feeling that, then I'll I find that a workout resets that that balance for me, and it, it makes me feel grounded and ready to start my day. Um, also, my 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 cats. Like I think there's there's a lot to be said for animal companionship. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like my cats. Uh, well, they're basically like dogs. The one of them, he plays fetch and you know, runs all over the apartment and he's adorable. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so my animals definitely that connection. Like I'll spend probably about five to ten minutes of my day just playing with them. You know, grooming them. Just just being in touch with with nature and with you know as much as we can in in a concrete jungle. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going for walks. Like I, I do, it's, uh, it's been kind of crappy weather here, uh, but I do like to go for a daily walk when I can as well too. Just get some fresh air, sit in the park. Um, those are probably the things that I would do. And they're all very mindful activities, I guess you could yeah, say. Those, I mean, that, that is all, that is all a different form of, of meditation in a way. I mean, like I, I had Molly Knight Ford on and she's, she's very much into that kind of stuff as far, like, these activities that we have around our day people are involved with already that they don't realize is is a form of meditation and she even takes it to another level like uh, whenever she she'll set like games up like whenever she sees a, a yellow Volkswagen bug she'll remember to breathe for five seconds <laughs> just really heavy you know and it starts to become one of these things that can really be powerful is a tool to reset yourself in situations where you're feeling stress or, or fear and being able to use that stress and fear as actual fuel to gear your creativity. And yeah. instead of taking it as a negative, literally using it as a positive, if, if you learn how to put these little pieces in place. So that's awesome. And we've got two three-legged cats here, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're one of them is she's, she's just doesn't shut up. And, <laughs> he's got a chatty one yeah, yeah my 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 guy my zeus is his name he's uh he's really super chatty and <laughs> he still thinks he's a kitten too because he's eight years old now but he the energy on this animal it's incredible <laughs> yeah yeah i've got a dog named loki so <laughs> oh yeah so yeah we went with the whole uh we've got uh zeus uh obviously you know yeah we, we know who he is and then persephone we call her percy for short um they're both abandoned cats uh we got them from cat charity yeah uh, yeah little sweethearts yeah we got Lindsay was working at a vet for a while and she'd come home with this cat that you know they found a kitten and it had a bone sticking out and she had to do the <laughs> surgery and then brought it back so they literally both have three legs like they just hop around the house so they, <laughs> they think they're they think they're normal <laughs> But yeah, so switching back to the writing, what, what do you think the hardest part about writing is? What, what do you think the hardest part about going forward is in general? Was doing. So, so no matter what, what your craft is, it's, you know, we always have these barriers that we put up in ourselves, which are, you know, oh, the time. And some of these are valid reasons, but some of them aren't. And I think sort of, for me at least, it was seeing through my own, part of my language, but my own bullshit about like what I was capable of um and, and what I should be doing and so that was always the thing and I and you know to me writer's block this is again just my personal interpretation from what I've experienced is just when I'm not willing to push past that fear um it's not that I'm not capable of doing it especially now that I've got like you know two almost three books under my belt I know I can do it uh and yeah so it's it's, it's uh that was the biggest challenge for me I think is just the doing the sitting down and the doing um and making it a habit uh, on top of that, you know, in terms of writing, you have obviously um, get, getting your work seen. So there's there's so much in the world, and it, it's very competitive. So it's really just you know how to broadcast your voice. I think without being um, intrusive, because I, I think you know there's there's a fine line between you know broadcasting your message and just being lost in the spam filter. So yeah. I think, yeah, writers and any personality has to be careful of that because there's just so much in the age of social media, such a proliferation of voices that you can very easily be lost in, in the chorus. So, you know, you have to make, you have to make sure that your message is meaningful. You have to make sure that like, I don't over broadcast myself because I don't, you know, I, 
personally, like if I see those things on Facebook where you see like, you know, posting after posting from someone, I admit, I click ignore. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I do it, everyone else does it. And that's, that's, you know, so you have to be very careful. It's a fine line between, you know, making yourself public and making yourself annoying. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so that's another challenge I think that writers face. Um, but yeah, the two, the two big ones though. So there's the doing, actual creating something. And, and, oh, sorry, we should probably address criticism too. So criticism is part of the process. So I don't really have any advice to say other than just get over it. Like you, you need to be criticized, uh, ideally by someone kind who's doing it from, you know, <laughs> a good place, a professional. And, uh, you know, not everyone is going to like what you do. So even after you've created this beautiful thing, it could be critically acclaimed, you know, 90% of the world could love it. 10% of the world's going to think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> and they're not going to be afraid to let you know in no uncertain terms, you know, how bad it is. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of also filtering through that negativity um, and not be, and not allowing yourself to be derailed by it. I think it was uh, the late, uh, was it Terry Pratchett had said something like, you know, it's not worth doing unless somebody somewhere would rather you weren't. <laughs> and, and that's true, I think, when you're creating art. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I love that. Put that in the show notes as well. So you can get all that at artsynow.com forward slash Christian Brown. Uh, we'll probably put it on artsynow.com forward slash Feast of Fates too. And dude, what do you think your long-term goal is here? Uh, do you have any aspirations? And I know you're doing this series. You just beasted out your second book and you said you're working on your third one now. Third's done. The draft is done. Oh just, my, yeah. yeah. So, you, wow, you're rolling through them. So, yeah. yeah, the dedication is is huge. It works, everybody. It definitely works. Uh, what Where do you think this is going to go in the future? And I know it's really hard to look way down the road, but uh, I want to know about your empire of books that are going to be coming out soon. Oh yeah, as far as I can. Like, why sky's the limit? I don't. Yeah. I don't think people should. You know, if you're going to dream, dream big. You might as well. You may not get there. But, you know, it's, it's, you'll have a tremendous journey and a tremendous amount of success along the way. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see this. You know, I want to share this message with as many people as possible. Um, I'm very proud of the book, and, and I put my heart and soul into it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones is going to be off the air in three years, so <laughs> they'll need something else to fill it. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know, man. but yeah, you know, I, I do have I do have grand aspirations for for the series, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, and uh, who knows if I'll get there? But I'll have a lot of fun trying. No, oh, you'll get there. <laughs> Your vision will become reality, as honorary recorder always says. Committed eats impossible for breakfast, Christian. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. So where can our, our listeners find you, get in contact with you, check out the book? Uh, I know it's on Amazon because I was looking at it the other day. It's uh, on Amazon. It's going to be in Chapters Indigo within the next probably month or so. Uh, Barnes & Noble, your favorite E, and and certain brick-and-mortar retailers. Um, you can find out all sorts of stuff about me, and I keep a regular Sunday blog as well, too. Uh, and you can find out all of that at christianadrianbrown.com. It's all lowercase. C H R I S T I A N A D R I A N Brown with color dot com. Um, I'm on Twitter, all the all the social media channels. <laughs> uh, I have a pretty active Facebook page as well too that you can look up. Uh, but you can find all those links on the main site, and it's really it's a really beautiful site that was done by some very talented artists uh, for other you know creatives um, who put together this beautiful beautiful site for me. Uh, so you should go check it out. It's fun. Lots of stuff to see. Yeah, man, awesome. You're, you're getting some amazing reviews on, on Amazon, too, which is a good sign. Yeah, people love it, yeah. That always keep pushing it forward. So cool, man. Christian, dude, you're awesome. You're really pumping people up. Oh, you too. No, thank you for this. This is great. Great way to start the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm fist pumping. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I, love, I love doing the early morning interviews, and not a lot of people book them. And I talk to people around the world, right? So sometimes it doesn't work out necessarily. But when I do them in the morning, the rest of the day, I'm just like high-fiving people and just like, yeah, this is my down. prime time. You caught me in my, my glory hours. <laughs> <laughs> my mind works a little bit better than it does at like 7 o'clock when I just have like drool coming down my shirt and <laughs> can't figure out what what I did to end up at that place at the exact moment. <laughs> no. 
Well, cool, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Everybody out there, do something crazy. Do a little boogie-woogie. Got to give a shout-out back to Rachel again. I know you mentioned her earlier. Thank yes. you for connecting us. You're Rachel awesome. Rachel Friday. Yeah, and I, and I got uh, Brian's book with poetry, and I was reading through that recently, which is awesome, too. So, Yeah, he's very talented as well, too. Yeah, all creativity is amazing, and, and if you're creative out there, seriously share it with the world don't be afraid there's people like us out there reach out to us reach out to christian reach out to me anybody there's a whole community of us that that want to help Uh, i would have never gotten started if it wasn't for the confidence of other people in me and i think that's all it takes sometimes is for someone just to say listen just do it you know suck it up you got one shot at it break the rules but first break the rulers and christian (laughs) dude thanks so much for being the entrepreneur now man thank you Always remember to keep it super, super funky. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, hello, you handsome little devils. Glad to have you back. I hope you feel moved. I hope you feel inspired to do something amazing, to pay attention to the loved ones in your life, to pay attention to what drives your passion and get out there and do it. Do something crazy. Do something stinky. Stickity-stinky-riggity-diggity-funky. Do something that challenges you every day. Focus. Focus on one course of action until success. Seriously. Take some risk. Take some risk. Bite down on your fear. Dominate. If anybody out there wants to get my free guide on how to make more time for creating how to make more time in your life to do things that you love uh, over the past couple of years that I have beasted out methods that have and haven't worked. I decided to put them all together in a guide. Uh, it's 27 pages of goodness, but you can go to artsynow.com forward slash time. You can get that free download whenever your silly little heart pleases. Hit me up on Twitter at HP underscore Armstrong. Uh, send me an email if you want. Love connecting. My Skype is Radiohead PS. I've had that since middle school, and I still don't want to change it. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Newer Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.